<laughs> Welcome to the OmniTalk Fast Five, sponsored by Takeoff and the AM Consumer and Retail Group. The OmniTalk Fast Five is the funniest, fastest, and most fervently insightful breakdown of all the week's top retail news and also the podcast with the best alliteration. It pains me to say this, but Chris is forcing me to. Some might even call this a stroke of yes, genius. Yes, you did it. Yes. It's <laughs> September 9th, yes. 2021. I am your host, Ann Mazinga, obviously joined by Chris, who is still back, still on week I'm still three. back. Three weeks of He's kicking in. He's made it through Strokeland. What is the cutoff for you, by the way? Like, how much more time do you have before you're, like, in the stroke clear? Are we there yet? Uh, no, I don't think you're actually ever in the stroke clear, especially when you've had... Uh, Fair, okay. When, you, when, you're, when it's undiagnosed, you don't know, and so, like, it's just this crazy thing. But, you know, hopefully the prognosis is good because, you know, I'm, I'm relatively young, relatively in good health, and, yeah. you know, hopefully smooth sailing. But, uh, you know, just got to keep an eye on things and... Hopefully everything will be all right. But yeah, no, I, yeah, I don't know if you're ever in the clear with that kind of thing. But you know, hey, it's fun. But we're gonna travel. The edge. We're gonna travel the grocery shop yes, in are. two weeks anyway, and we're yeah, gonna just like do it up, Chris. Hell hath no fury like a retail pundit at grocery shop. Yeah, I think like Rihanna says, "Live your life," right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think okay. that's that's a it's a really good way to put it, Anne. Um, I don't know about the listeners and viewers, Chris, but this week has been like three weeks slammed into four days. It really has. You? Yeah, no, it has, because I think we're gearing up for Grocery Shop. You yeah. know, I think we've got some huge sponsors uh, supporting our efforts there. Uh, Untying Knots uh, is one of them, as well as Cleveron, you yes. know, a company we've talked a lot about in recent past. Pretty excited to have them on board. And, and we've got some great podcasts lined up for you guys, too. I'm not going to tell you who they are yet. I'm going to tease it a little bit. I'm going to have you wait for it. Wet the tease. appetites. Yep, but we're going to have two podcasts going out, hopefully on Monday and Tuesday of that week. Again, all sponsored by Cleveron and Untie Knots. And so we're pumped. I'm, I'm pumped to get back at it, Ann. I know. I have no idea what the show is going to be like. I have no it's idea how great. many people are going to be there. I don't know what it's going to be like to be in a mask and, like, socially distant from people yeah. at a trade show talking technology. And you're on stage twice, right? What I am. Are you, what are you yeah. doing there? We have two sessions, one on Sunday um, that I'm going to be doing this, like, rapid-fire question and answer um, with some other experts in the grocery industry about um, in-store technology. Ooh. And then, it's like a game show, right? It's supposed to be like a game show setup? It's supposed to be like a game show. Like a game show. I'm this is the that. first time. So, you know, we're going to Truth or we're dare, and Mazinga. Check gonna... out free retail. Go. Oh, my God. Always dare. Um <laughs> Uh, and then on Wednesday, we're doing uh, Joe Laszlo and Ken from Corsite yeah, and I cool. are going to be doing like a recap of, you know, what we heard at the show um, all to be decided, you know, probably Tuesday night over over cocktails. Like, what are we going to talk about? What do we love about? Right, that's show? how you guys are doing it, right? You're like getting together for dinner. We and, are. Like, you're going to talk about we the show. Are. You're actually going to get together and talk it, about that's we, awesome. Yeah, we are. And then um, audience members will actually be able to like come up and ask questions and give feedback during the event. So yeah. if you're there on Wednesday. Wednesday still, which man, I hope you're hope you're taking an extended opportunity to take a vacation in Vegas of all places. Yeah, check, um, come check her out. Come check yeah. it out. But we'll, we'll, we'll actually recap. We can recap that in our podcast that we week too. It'll be awesome. Yes. So if you do, if you can't make grocery shop, we'll be sure to give you guys the highlights after the show based on what Ann presents on stage on Wednesday. Yeah, so that'll be awesome. Yep, it'll be great. Um, but Chris, let's uh, let's get to this week's headlines. You want to get to the headlines? Enough discussion. I do too. There's some. There's a big headline this week. There are. It took a little while. It, it they, did. Yeah, this week to, was slow. They had to wear off their start. beef Wellington Jesus. hangover, which we uh, we had over the weekend. They had to they had to get going before we got some stories here. Yeah, we actually, got some good ones. just to digress because Ann brought it up, but I had Ann and her husband over for beef Wellington this weekend, and it I'm just amazing. curious amazing. of the beef Wellington, the 
cream, spinach, and the mashed potatoes. What was the best part of that dinner for you? The wine. The wine. All right, good, good call. <laughs> no, All I'm right. kidding. Right. The beef Wellington by far. By far. That's Chris, what my wife Chris made, so. and Mrs. Omnitalk, man, they can they can make a mean beef Wellington. Okay, we're gonna talk today in the Fast Five about Kroger's planned expansion into Southwest Florida, Walmart's partnership with Instacart to deliver groceries into New York City, High V's move into a fitness equipment space. Yeah. And the retirement of Target CIO Mike McNamara. Uh, But first, we're going to take off for the second week in a row with more big news out of Amazon. So, yes, Amazon broke the Internet this week talking about (laughs) how they are bringing their cashierless tech into two new Whole Foods stores. So according to CNBC, Amazon is going to be launching this technology um, in stores that are scheduled to open next year both stores one in grover park washington dc and the other in sherman oaks california um chris we like you know this kicked us off yeah. for sure this week what yeah. are your what are your thoughts about this i think it's huge news yeah we've been all over this we've been all over computer vision uh since the get-go really mm-hmm. pun intended haha <laughs> get it get-go yep. uh, yep. uh actually one. in more ways than one um but yeah we've been all over it and i think this is huge news i think for me it heralds a couple of things one is it says that Amazon has this technology ready for full-scale grocery because they've talked about doing it in Amazon Fresh. They're now saying they're going to do it in Whole Foods, which is a different operation. So they're not doing it across two operations at full scale, or at least they're announcing it. That's pretty cool. The other important thing about this, and it's been talked about on, on social media a lot, but I think I, I will give credit to Celia Van Wickle, who, if you don't follow her, she's like the best. Honestly, she's like my best follow on, on LinkedIn right now. She Ooh, comes, high praise, she comes solid with the insights every yes. week. Yes. Um, but she, you know, she brought up a point which others have brought up to you, but I thought she did it in a very articulate way, which is, you know, it's another new store for the technology, right? Mm-hmm. Amazon's only deploying these in new stores, both in Amazon Go, Amazon Fresh, and Whole Foods. They have yet to retrofit an existing grocery store, which is the big outstanding question for most grocers on how to think about this technology. So the big question that remains for me, the second question is. Who is the next grocer and IE who and also not IE, I don't know why I said that, but who is the next technology solutions provider for that grocer that gets solidly into the number two position here by way of retrofitting stores? And you know, for my money, based on everything I'm hearing in the marketplace, I've got to give my money to Trigo and Tesco on that because mm-hmm. they're doing some really cool things. But, you know, there's there's a, the space is very crowded. There's a lot of companies doing stuff. But, you know, there's a lot to lot to see what what's going to in terms of what's going to play out here. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think um, Celia and I are on this exact same wavelength. I hadn't saw, I hadn't seen her um, her post, but I think that that is the key differentiator. These are all new stores. But what I think I would like add on to that at the end is that. As we're seeing this expansion of Amazon Fresh, I mean, yes, they only have 26 stores right now that are planned, mm-hmm. that are planned that they right. release. But like we know, we have four, four alone in, in just the Twin Cities market, and yeah. so my my assumption would be that now, like you said, that Amazon can go and roll this out in a full scale grocery store that. Once this expansion of Fresh happens, now grocers, you need to be prepared that those are not only going to be regular grocery stores you're competing with, but fully autonomous stores that are just going to continue to explode. And we don't even know just how big that's going to be yet. Yeah. And there's one other one other point I would bring up here quickly, too, on this topic, because I think it's important. Like there's a lot of competitors in the space. And like there's a company I find that had a very cool announcement this Mm -hmm. week with Carefor over in I think it was in uh, Dubai Mm -hmm. where they have a fully autonomous store. But not all of these experiments are created equal, exactly. right? Like yes. that store, it's a thousand square feet. It has no windows. So there's 
all kinds of things that make that easier. So I think, as we talked about with NVIDIA back at their webinar, over the next six months, you're going to see a flood of activity. But keep in mind the size and the dynamics of the operation in terms of where this technology is going into yep. to make your determinations on where you think it's going to go and who it's going to go there with. Exactly. Check. Keep your rubric up. What are all the things that you got to be checking off? Like windows, size. Is it a hybrid? Is it so, solely yeah, autonomous? Brand new, like right. all these things, they're not created equal. Great right. point, Chris. All right. Well, let's go on to headline number two. And headline number two is that Kroger has planned to further expand into Southwest Florida without stores. That last point being very important. Coming on the heels of its push into Tampa and Jacksonville, Kroger now says it plans to build one of its quote-unquote spoke facilities. I like that. I Kroger's do. getting spoke. Yeah. Uh, in Crovin Park to go after the Southwest part of the state. The company believes it will also bring as many as 180 jobs to the area, again, with no physical footprint. Did I mention that it's no, no stores in? Yeah, you did. did. You mentioned that. All right. And how bullish are you on this announcement? I think that this is a phenomenal experiment. I think really? it's really cool right. to I'm test. I have so many questions about how they're going to reallocate the budget to make this experiment work. Like huh. for me, this is like full scale R&D. Like this is an R&D mm. effort. This is not like a, a scalable effort yet. I think they're mm. still learning here okay. because I feel like there's going to be a lot of push to put marketing materials out there to make people aware of this service. When you have, mm. you know, Floridians, um, especially there's, a, I think 9% of the population is like 65 and above who I think are very, um, committed to the That's going in store. Yeah. And so I think that this push to try to get people, it will catch on eventually, but I think it's something that, you know, I'm going to be watching carefully, like how the business model shakes out. If they need to like do, you know, some part of the store is pick up for groceries or like right. if they are, what the, the actual like retail footprint, footprint looks is. like for them. But that's you brought up a point I hadn't thought about before, which is the age demographics of Florida, yeah. which, you know, in theory would be less inclined to adopt new ways of shopping for grocery, let's say, specifically online, right? Yes. I mean, I think we can all agree to and, that. And I mean, my parents, true, my parents be, live but... in this part of Southwest Florida. Yeah. So I am this, a little bit of this is like my own experience put playing into this. But, but. see, I'm a little bullish on this though, Ann, okay. because I'm, I'm gonna take a little bit of a different stance on you because I actually think this is a stage two experiment They've already done it up north in, Tampa, in yeah. Tampa and Jacksonville. So now they're bringing it south. So they've got some lessons learned. The other thing here is this is, for all for all intents and purposes, based on the Kato technology from what we can read. Yeah. And they have, a, I think at this point, hopefully, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, but Kroger and Okado together have a good understanding of the dynamics that need to be surrounding the environment where they're building these spoke centers. I mean, the geographic density, the number yep. of shoppers the proclivity that they have for this be this type of shopping, et cetera. So my hunch is they have that pretty ironed out. And so if you find the right areas for that, then to me it just comes down to getting the acquiring the customer. And that to me is the biggest thing because certain grocers are so entrenched in Florida, like Publix, mm -hmm. that that could be a hard thing to do, which is why Kroger's never broken in the market to begin with. But I think it's a good first stage because sure. it doesn't mean you couldn't build stores there. You couldn't have warehouses acting as pickup centers too. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of think they've got something here. And I, I think this is a, I think actually this could be, if we look back, I'm going to make a prediction here. Oh, man. This could be one of the most important events over the next 10 years. I'm serious. Like, this could really change fundamentally how people think about going to market. 
Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, I, I do think that we there will be a lot that's learned and a lot of other grocers paying close attention to how this gets deployed and what the successes and failures are from from Kroger doing this. And yes, they've got, I mean, they've been with Ocado for how many years now? I mean, they've got this process ironed out. Um, I wonder, again, in this part of Southwest Florida, what the, the logistics of I've made that drive in, right. in the many right. stoplights. Do they really have it ironed out? Yeah. Is right. it is it going to be efficient? How are they going to get, you know, to that same it's level? A great, but, yeah, it's a great question. All right. So we're keeping in the same vein here, um, talking about grocery delivery. Walmart Ooh. is going to offer Walmart grocery deliveries again. in parts of New York City. So according to the Wall Street Journal, uh, this past Tuesday, Walmart groceries are available for delivery now in parts of Brooklyn, Queens, and the Bronx through Instacart. Um, Walmart has no physical stores in New York City, um, nope. and Instacart shoppers will buy uh, groceries at Walmart stores outside the city limits, then deliver those to nearby homes, however, not in the island of Manhattan. Right. Now, Chris, this I, I think that the, the reporting is still a little bit conflicting about, like, are the Instacart shoppers for sure going in there and picking? Yeah, there was right. one article that said yeah. that Walmart is going to be picking and that the Instacart shoppers are just going to be picking up. Like, there's a lot of logistics here that, right. again, drawing to, from your first point, like, that makes that makes a difference. When you're it comparing does. these services, how that's all being done makes a difference. Not clear still on whether people are ordering from, like, Walmart or ordering from Instacart, but... What what are you what are you thinking here? Yeah, I mean, I think regardless of it, I think this story is laughable. I mean, Walmart just continues to be on this trend of laughable headlines. I, I just I, I they just need to get over themselves and stop get off the PR train for a little bit again, like they were like a few years ago doing this, and it was a, it was not good then, and it's not good now, in my opinion. But here's the thing, like, first let's look at the irony of this. Isn't this why Walmart bought Jet.com for three billion dollars back in whatever year it was mm -hmm. to give them access to the New York market? That, that didn't work. So now we're going to sign up with Instacart. And we just talked about a really cool story. So why isn't the approach more evolved? That is my big question. Sure, that's right? a fair point. You already had this experiment fail with Jet, where Mark Loy is now sunbathing in his city of the future of Toloso, talking about mission-driven cultures, like gag me with a spoon. But like, why isn't this more evolved? Like Walmart, by the way, let's think back. You announced that you're going to have 20, 25 micro-fulfillment centers up and running by the, you know, at some point this year, where the hell are any of those? You know, why aren't you publicly talking about those? Because that seems like something you should be talking about. Mm -hmm. And then why isn't that part of the equation here similar to like what what uh, Kroger's doing down in Florida? Why aren't you having those operate and pick and pack for you and figure out figuring out the delivery, possibly even on your own to make this happen? Versus from what it sounds like, all intents and purposes in the Wall Street Journal article, which is a pretty reputable news organization saying that basically it looks like customers are going to have to go through the Instacart portal to get their Walmart purchases. So you're, and then Walmart, you're giving your control. If that's the case, you're giving the control of that experience through Instacart. This doesn't make any sense long-term. Yeah. It's like as much, it's at most a stopgap. Sorry, yeah. I'm done. No, I Rant think that, over. I, I can understand that. I think that especially in New York's market where those grocery delivery players, they've been around the longest. I mean, they've yeah. been doing fresh direct. Like how long have they been doing right. grocery delivery in New York City um, and the surrounding boroughs? I feel like, you know, this is not the move I'd be making if I were Walmart. Again, like the Kroger story, they're going to have the same issue of awareness. Right. And why am I going to pick Walmart over any other uh, grocery right. retailer that I already have an established right. relationship with? Um, the other thing that I, w I wonder is, 
why isn't Walmart focusing more efforts in these markets on looking at getting into smaller format or city stores? Because I think that, you know, we've seen this happen with Target in, in you know, with their Harlem store and exploring more locations. Like, to me, that makes more sense as, as a break into this right. market than That's it does to start to waste money on an experiment like this, giving all your data to Instacart on your customers. Like, why aren't you pushing, you know, converting that giant Walmart box into a small format store that could work and and get you like first party data on your customers. Yeah, I mean that's a great your points about Fresh Direct and are awesome. I mean like yeah, I mean if if it is happening through Instacart, like how are you how are you Walmart going to break through that in the sea of New York shopping? I don't know. This doesn't make any sense. I, yeah. Yeah, I can't, I'm, we got to move on. Well, I don't this, know. in another story that makes no sense to me, to me personally, I'm curious to see what you you think on this because you're you're much more the fitness aficionado than I am, although you never know that to look at me. Hy-Vee plans to open fitness gear shops within its stores. So according to Supermarket News, next week, Hy-Vee plans to debut a fitness equipment store within a store concept under a new partnership with Johnson Fitness and Wellness, which <laughs> I got to be honest, I've never heard of Johnson Fitness and I'm Wellness. In, I'm, in, I'm in the buying of fitness <laughs> right. equipment, and I'm not familiar with Johnson <laughs> right. Fitness and Wellness. What so fitness equipment do you have? Well, I have the Johnson equipment, Ed. Yeah. Which one do you have? Um, the first shop and shop will be Hy-Vee's new 93,000 square foot Grimes, Iowa store, and several more they've already said are scheduled to roll out by the conclusion of the year. And Anne, these aren't just any fitness shop oh, and great. shops. These are fitness and wellness boutiques where one can try out gear, including treadmills, elliptical machines, exercise bikes, and the always popular more. But here's the best part, Anne. What? The shop and shops are also, I'm going to whisper this because it's really important, Rumored to be truly omnichannel in that purchases can be made from kiosks and the scanning of QR codes. And are you going to be shopping for your next treadmill down in Grimes, Iowa at Hy-Vee? No, I am so disappointed, Hy-Vee. No offense, I've, I'm from I Iowa, love, by the way, I love, I love Hy-Vee. I do, I too. I love it. And this is so... I, I just don't understand it. It's like the Nordstrom blood and stool sample kit that they just put out this week. Like, you guys, what is going on? You're my, some of my favorite retailers. Like, what? What? <laughs> Explain it to me. Um, That's such a good point. So, I mean, you almost made me lose my coffee. I'm sorry. Uh, but here's the deal. They also announced this week that they're putting, like, eye care centers, like eye care try-ons in Hy-Vees this week. Okay. And well, that I makes I can get on board with sense. that. Yeah, I can get on board with that. The, the DSW thing, that makes, makes sense. sense. Like, yep. be, I, Maybe not I, the execution of it, but, the, sure, the, the, but sure. it makes sense. The, yeah. the concept, okay? But, like, the idea that Hy-Vee is trying to move into this more of a one-stop shop like a Target or a Walmart, that makes sense. But be strategic about what you're putting in there. Walmart and Target would never put this thing in there. Peloton can't even get people to come into no. their treadmill and, and you know bike try-ons right. right now. You're right. not going to get a no-name equipment company that's taking up valuable space on your floor pad that especially a grocery store, like you've got yeah. kids and food yeah. and stuff like all in the same place. It just seems like a total nightmare to me. I cannot believe that this is happening. So, Ann, what are you trying to say? You don't like this? No. <laughs> I don't. And I'm sad about it. I'm with you, too. I mean, you can probably tell in my reading of it, but, like, I, I just don't get it. And this this trend of shopping shops, we talked about it with toys and, and Macy's yeah. last week. Just because you can put more product categories in your store doesn't mean that you should. Yes. Like, it, it has to blend in with the overall experience of why you're coming to that store and that place to begin with. And that has to work within your business model. Because the point the point is exactly right. And having worked at Target, I know this for a fact. Like, 
selling uh, uh, fitness equipment is really freaking challenging. It's a different sell selling process, yes. different level of selling than what you're typically going to find from your average grocery store employee. They also break down. So are you going to start, who starts taking the returns for you, Hy-Vee, on this yeah. equipment and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. It's not a very profitable business, business to begin with. And so like, it just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And this shop and shop thing as the panacea for all retail has got to go away. You know what I'd actually love to see them do from the Hy-Vee stores I've been is expanding to beauty. Yeah. I think you, I think they could do something in beauty that's much cooler than mm-hmm. what they have now. Yeah, for sure. When I think I was just in one in Davenport, Iowa, you know, we've got one. Where is it in Egan here? Mm-hmm. I think they could. Do, that would be a much better place, especially with all the partnerships that are happening in and around beauty right now. But anyway, that's my take. Um, yeah, I don't know, Chris. I I think we're just gonna have to high V people. If you're if you're listening, tell us what we've missed and- because. And I by the way, this is the first time I've ever said anything negative about Hy-Vee. I've always been positive about Hy-Vee on this show. This just doesn't make sense to me. I know. All right. Well, we're going to go into our last headline. Target CIO Mike McNamara is going to retire next year. Why, Chris? Because he wants to enjoy <laughs> more Minnesota summers. Yeah, can you believe he said that? He actually said that. Yeah, I mean, I can. It's the best part of the year here. Like, whatever. <laughs> okay. I okay. guess you're working too hard, Mike. Yes. So uh, Mike McNamara, who has led the retailer's IT organization since 2015, plans to retire in 2022, according to an SEC filing submitted last week. Um, the According to a company blog post, that Target put out, the technology team and platform are in brilliant shape, according to Mike McNamara, and no decisions have been made yet on who will succeed him in a role they're looking internally and externally. Yes. Chris, um, I know you have some thoughts on this. Oh, Jesus. We haven't had that on-the-spot question we yet, have not have had the oh, on-the-spot question yet. God, Don, Don. So we're going to go into this first. So A&M <sighs> Consumer and Retail Group, they get these types of questions. They help their clients stay on the right side of disruption by helping them with things exactly like what I'm about to okay, ask you. Okay, God. Oh, okay. Jesus. All right. This is a heady one, I bet. Target is going to need to rethink the role of CIO. It's also something that a lot of other retailers are grappling with right now. But as the importance of technology starts to permeate every function from marketing to merchandising to store operations, supply chain, how do you think retailers should go about thinking about what is centralized IT and what is decentralized in the functions of this new CIO role? Oh, my God. All right. How much time do we have? Uh, it's a 30-minute podcast. Take a um, breath. Yeah. Wow. That's a tough question. Um, okay. Here's what I'll say generally speaking. Um, I've written about – I wrote a lot about this when I was first writing probably like three or four years ago. But I – you know, the biggest thing for me is a brand – the biggest thing that makes retailers successful or not is thinking about their brand as an omni-channel product. With a capital P. With a capital P, right? That, you know, the product management functions doesn't sit in a silo of e-commerce, doesn't sit in a silo of stores. And, you know, really, at the end of the day, the buck stops with having a CEO being able to fill that seat, honestly, that chair. Hmm. But in the event that you eventually you can't, I think there's ways to augment it. I think the CIO role, regardless of the announcement, stays incredibly important within that seat. But what I would say is what I think is really the smart move is to elevate the product man, the chief product officer for the, for the organization. Yeah. Um, like Sam's club to me is a great example. Like, you know, it was Eddie Garcia at one time he's now moved on, but you know, his role and we talked to him was very expansive. He had control over the e-commerce site. He had control over the products being developed for the, the products being Such developed for the stores yeah. in terms of how they operate those stores, the fulfillment capabilities, all of it. So he had the full view of the customer experience. 
And so I think to me in the future of an organization, mm. that role alongside the CEO are probably the two most important and they have to work hand in hand to make this go. And so my point with the retirement of Mike McNamara is this is a pretty big announcement. Mike was the perfect guy who's hard, hard ass kind of, you know, yeah. was very direct. Yeah. Tesco trained. I guess they're like that too. And he came in at a time where, you know, Cornell's strategy was we're just going to double down on the fact that everyone else is going to slough off and we're going to have market share to pick up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if you got a guy in there that knew what he was doing from, you know, the CIO chair perspective, that worked really well. And it was the perfect call. And he was the perfect guy. The question I have, though, is who will they replace him with? Are they going to go back to what got Target in trouble to begin with, which was putting somebody in that seat that didn't have the credibility? Which, if you look at their moves lately, you could argue that that is happening. When you look at grocery, when you look at marketing, and, and who they've put into those seats. So now, this is a big hire. I hope he still, quite honestly, either goes with somebody internally that has a ton of experience, that they don't put somebody on a stretch assignment in this job, which they've done in the past. Right. Or they go outside to find somebody that really you know, has the chops to, to continue Mike's progress. And hopefully Mike's pretty connected on, on what you know he wants to do. Well, I also think this is interesting your points bring up like where where does this leave Brian Cornell's position too? Because my guess right. is that you know after a few more Aprils he may not be there right. either. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, um, he's getting in his sixties, I think, right? Right, or just moving on to his next role. Right. And so, like, how, what are the like? Or the summers in Minneapolis, Ed? Yeah, they're so great. <laughs> I don't even think he lives here, right? Like, I don't he know. Just, anyway, I have no idea. Um, but you know, thinking about who's going to take over those roles. And for me, this is an especially important hire when you look again at story number one with what Amazon's doing and how they're going to start rolling into the department store space, the grocery space. And Target is lagging when it comes to digital and what they're testing in store. And they're going to have to beef that up to be a competitive omni-channel retailer. The, The things that they've been so successful at and I would argue also lucky to have in, over the course of this last couple of years, those are going to hang on for a while. But once Amazon starts to push into more yeah. and more locations, the Whole Foods get to be better equipped with you know technology and the footprint starts to expand. Target, you're going to have to be prepared, and it starts now. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if I'm, I and I think I wrote actually wrote this for a piece uh, for uh, MN Tech Magazine recently. Um, I don't know that I don't know that I'm as down on Target as you are in that regard. I think. Yes, I think they've been criminally slow on any experimentation with computer vision. Mm-hmm. Same with Walmart. Yeah. Yes, 100%. But I think both those companies have a much longer run rate than, say, like the regional grocers that are going to you know, fall to the For wayside sure. much faster than that because of just the one-stop shop nature, all the omni-channel capabilities they've built up. But I think it's a point, whereas, you know, and that's why I alluded to what I said, which is, Mike was good for that strategy. Whoever you bring in, though, has to kind of take it to the next level and get that truly kind of innovative technology angle to things. Yeah. I think Mike's been kind of the prove out what works and go versus like, I think you want a little bit of that, but I think also now you're in the facing, like you need someone that can kind of see the step change too. Yeah, great point. Uh, Chris, that closes us up. Are already? You, wow. Are you, One know. of our faster shows. I know, it's fun. I love it. Uh, are you ready for a lightning round? Of course I am, Okay. Anne. Uh, first question. My middle name is Lightning. It's definitely not. Uh, <laughs> Kanye announced this week that he's expanding beyond apparel and footwear and into housewares and home furnishings. As a former home furnishings oh, yeah. merchant who famously purchased Santa Claus bath mats and hand towels, That's right. 
which item is an absolute must for the Kanye home furnishings collection? You know, that's a great question, Ann. Whenever I think about this stuff, I always think back to like the, I think about this a lot. Honestly, I do. I think about this a lot. Like, you need a hobby. I think back to like two, 2000-ish, 2005-ish. Yeah. Remember when like velour jumpsuits were the craze? Oh, yeah, sure. So when, whenever I think of these, and Jennifer Lopez was wearing them all the time, I think. Oh, the juicy, the juicy yeah, jumpsuits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I always think of, whenever I hear these celebrity partnerships, that's what I think about. So for home furnishings, for me, it comes down to one thing. Careful, ladies. A velvet blanket. That's what I want. <laughs> I want a velvet blanket. Like one of those you used to get at the old school, like Motel 6. Kanye's oh. velvet blanket. That would be so bomb. I would oh love that. If you did that, I would die. Well, Kanye, listen, he's he's a former buyer, so that might be what your market yeah. is Oh, he, uh, That would explode. He'd, he'd blow out of that. All right, Ann. A new health intelligence. You mentioned this actually on the podcast, <laughs> but so you're ready for it. A new health intelligence kit is coming to Nordstrom stores that offers insights into an individual's immune system and gut health through blood and stool samples. Your take. Fail. <laughs> Fail. No. <laughs> This does not make any sense. I, I don't How care. is this an adjacent business you want to get into? I, I don't know. And especially with all the news lately that's coming out from, um, oh my gosh. <laughs> Can you imagine the face? returns of that? Oh my oh, gosh. I don't know where to take this sample, yeah. Nordstrom. Oh my God. Wow, we're specialized in service. We're here to help you. Like, yeah. right? They always go above and beyond, right? Yeah. Oh God, yeah, that's a nightmare. No, yeah. I was saying, like, with all the returns of these blood tests, I can't remember the name now of the woman who's, like, potentially going to jail. The CEO oh, Elizabeth is going Holmes. To, yeah. yeah. Like, can you imagine if, like, people are just sending poop into Nordstrom and it's, you know, telling you incorrect things about the state of your biome and gut health? I can't, but that is a good plug for our recent podcast with Signify, where people are actually putting, which they literally, the, uh, Ben oh from Signify literally told us people are putting poop in a box and shipping it back it's poop in to get box. credit for the return. Yeah, yeah, poop in a box. Yeah. All right. Let's keep going. Okay. Uh, Chris, Yum Brands and Itza both announced forays and investments into robotic meal prep this week. What, in your opinion, is the first food that should be made entirely by robots? Pizza, 100%. Oh, God. I got to agree. That's no, a great, no question. great answer. And 1-800-Flowers, for the first time, surpassed $2 billion in sales this past year. So, Anne, when Mr. Omnitalk is dialing up 1-800-Flowers, are you getting roses or tulips? Uh, I'm getting pizza. He, I would rather get a pizza <laughs> than flowers, just FYI. Would you? All right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm not a flower person. All right, yeah. So, no, I was, and they I didn't think you were a flower I'd rather person, have, actually. I'd rather have, like, my favorite pizza from Hello Pizza delivered to me unexpectedly at work. But if somebody, right, that would be awesome. Hint, hint, Mr. Talk. <laughs> but if someone were to give you a flower, what flower type would you want? Like, are you um, a carnation? No, hydrangea. Hydrangea. That's okay. my favorite all right, flower. All right, cool, all right. If nice, I have to pick nice, one, nice. which is usually on a bush outside. That doesn't get cut in. Right. Isn't that a bush versus... Yeah, so you like a flower bush. I like a flower... I like a good bush. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my God. We've lost the show. Everyone, we've lost the show. Earth to show. All right. Woo! Happy birthday today to... Uh, let's get us out of here, Ann. Happy birthday today to Adam Sandler, Tom Wopat, Luke Duke, for those that are in the know, Michelle Williams, and the boy who played Elliot E.T. in E.T., Henry Thomas, who, believe it or not, turns 50 goddamn years oh. old today. God darn it, I feel old. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it Omnitalk. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice-weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us and just for you, all within the preview pane of your inbox. Sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks, as always, for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And of course, be careful out there. 
The OmniTalk Fast Five is brought to you with the help and support of the AM Consumer and Retail Group. The AM Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit Takeoff.com.